On today's show, the Houston Rockets lose to the Golden State Warriors, dropping them to 0-3 on the season, but... But it was a competitive as hell game, and there are actually a lot of valuable lessons for this team to learn from this game. We're going to break it all down for you right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. And the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all. All lowercase locked on MBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an everydayer. Thank you for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day. And joining us now to talk about the Houston Rockets 106-95 loss against the Golden State Warriors is none other than your weekly co-host, Madison Moore, NBA draft enthusiast you can track down on Twitter at MadmanLeaks. And Madison, this is a game where, unfortunately, the Rockets now find themselves you know, at the start of an 0-3 hole here at the beginning of the season. This is not where this team wanted to be to start out this year, a year where you want to see this team, you know, Maybe take that step forward, right? Playing some competitive basketball, you know, vying for a playing spot further down the line. But I think one of my significant takeaways kind of in the early part of the season and even before the season started is while the play-in tournament would be great, I I think we can measure the season in more than just wins and losses. And I want to get into kind of some of how this game went, get into some of the game flow and all that stuff, and then maybe also kind of scale things back out and take a bigger picture view at, you know, is this team actually progressing through three games so far. But I'll tell you what, being in Toyota Center for the home opener, the crowd was electric. The vibes were pretty awesome. Uh, Obviously, Golden State Warriors is a team that everybody gets up for. Uh, You know, Unfortunately, there are a lot of Warriors fans who call themselves Houstonians. Uh, They should have their Houstonian cards revoked, unfortunately. Uh, But a lot of those fans show up to Toyota Center. A lot of Rockets fans turned out. This was a fun exciting game honestly uh the Rockets were very much in this game all the way up until the very very end when Steph Curry decided to hit not one not two not three but four triples in a row at the end of the game to sink the Rockets and look Madison (laughs) this man cannot keep getting away with this it's been like seven eight straight years and it doesn't matter whether this team is winning 60 games or whether they're winning 20 games. It hurts every single time when Steph Curry steps on the Toyota Center court and starts dropping bombs from long distance. It hurts my soul every time. Yeah, man. I mean, Steph just reminds you what greatness looks like, dog. Like, that's literally just a great player. And we did a great job on him for the better part of the game. But when it was winning time and when your your stars – 
know when it's time to put a team away. And Steph answered the call, you know what I mean? Um, and I hope the young Rockets paid attention. You know what I mean? It were, that is the type of performance you need from the guys who who lead your team. And, that was, and a lot of our young Rockets want to be those guys one day, and they're going to have to step up and respond to Steph in order for us to win those types of games. But, hey, Steph is the, <laughs> Steph is the champion, the multiple-time MVP. He's still out there teaching. I don't want to spend too much time, uh, you know, praising Steph here on this podcast. This is a, you can go over to Locked on Warriors for all that mess. Because, <laughs> um, again, and I do look, look, the Rockets lost this game, man. Their own three to start the year, but I really do feel like from game one to game two, now to game three, there have been some seriously drastic improvements across the board for this team. Uh, specifically in this game, you mentioned right they they actually defended Steph really really well. Dylan Brooks as his primary for most of the game, even certain guys on switches, whether it was Jabari or even at times Alper and Shingun guarding Steph Curry and Steph. For, you know, being forced to give up the basketball on a possession because Al P didn't bite. Uh, Jeff Green had a really fantastic possession. I, I think guarding uh, Steph Curry on on one possession where he didn't bite on a pump fake, he like he contested and then he stayed because he stayed grounded and Steph had to pass out of that one too. Uh, he was two of eight with just ten points going into the fourth and final quarter, which is where he just he went supernova right. And it's so tough because you can do such a good job guarding Steph and then. He gets that one, he gets that that first three to, to fall, right? And it's like an avalanche, right? And then just the rest of it, like the dam breaks, and then he just catches fire and starts sinking shot after shot after shot. And it it felt so bad, Madison, because in this game, right, at one point early, the Rockets were down 16 at one point in this game. Like it looked like we were headed for one of those classic, like Golden State Warriors gonna route the Houston Rockets at home, home opener, and it's gonna be real depressing. And then the Rockets actually fought their their way out of that hole, right? They got back. I think they cut it to like five or six. I think it was six um, just before halftime. Then Golden State kind of widened that margin again after a few mistakes there to end the half from the Houston Rockets. And despite going into halftime down 10, I think it was nine or 10 points, um, they then came back and they had a very, very strong third quarter in this game, a uh, 28 to 24 third quarter. I thought the defense was a lot better there in the third quarter, and that also carried over into the top of the fourth quarter at least. And I really liked kind of the resiliency from this group to be able to fight back from down 16 against a team as good as the Warriors are. Uh, you know, they showed a lot of toughness, some grit, and it really felt like it was a young team that was so excited to be back into it in this game where, you know, when it was tied up, I think like 82 all or 83 all 81 all there were a couple times it was tied up and the Rockets had so many moments where like Jabari had the pull up three, Fred had a three, Jalen had a three, like all these threes, just none of them would go down to give the Rockets that little bit of a lead. And then Jalen finally got, that and one opportunity in transition. Uh, he missed the free throw, unfortunately. The only free throw that the Rockets missed in this game, mind you. They were 18 of 19 at the free throw line for like 95.5% or something. Uh, a nice, uh, uh, much-needed improvement from last game where they shot 50% 10 of 20. Uh, so that's one of those little attention to detail things that you love to see as far as improvement goes there. But it just felt like this was a young team that couldn't quite get over the hump in this game. And because they were just right there neck and neck just long enough for the Warriors, for Steph to finally flip the switch and turn it on and, and put them away at the end. 
Yeah, I mean, to me, the Rockets defensively were were really good this game. Of course, there were a lot of missed assignments, miscommunications, right? But this team continues to be very resilient on that end of the floor, and it keeps them in games. Um, really, their their biggest issue has been the offense and them trying to get uh, find chemistry uh, offensively together with this with this um, with this new team, new offense, new structure. Uh, it seems like guys are don't really know whose turn is who and whatnot, and that could come, and then it spills out into turnovers and things like that that really hurt, hurt the Rockets. But as just defense, as a defensive team, I think this team is actually really, really good. Um, I think everybody tries, everybody competes, and Jay Sean Tate, we have to give a special shout out because he led that third quarter run with his defensive activity, um, and and his particular defensive activity led to the Rockets getting out and running and getting some easy buckets in transition, which were which were the type of runs this young team needs until they can find their footing offensively. Um, so for, for me, I think this team, to me, especially looking at last game and this game, they are giving these collective efforts where collectively uh, they are helping each other and as a collective unit, I think they are becoming a good team, right? Um, especially since they don't have uh, a number one option per se yet, right? So they have to do this collectively and they have to do this defensively because their offense is not yet up to par. Um, but we do like the improvement we're seeing, right? We, we, when you look at these all three games, I think the Rockets have gotten better and better and better. Um, they just are trying to learn how to win at, at the end of games. And they're trying to work, learn what works best for them. Um, and that's going to be a process. And so as we're going through that process, as we these young guys are learning how to score within this offense, we're going to take some lumps. And we're going to take some lumps from you. You understand when Golden State, when it's winning time, they know exactly what sets they're running. They know exactly who's going to have the ball in their hands. And they've done this, been there and done this. Our Rockets team has not. And so we're going to have to give them the room to grow um, as an offensive unit together. If that makes sense. No, it, it absolutely does, right? Re- look, Rome wasn't built in a day. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that this season, but I'm going to say that a lot this season for sure. I might have to make that. That might, you know, we're going to replace 4D algorithm with Rome wasn't built in a day, all right? That's the new, like, secret message motto here at Locked on Rockets is Rome wasn't built in a day. You got to give this young Rockets team a little bit of time to come together to coalesce. I think they have through three games pretty quickly, um, and hopefully we continue to see that improvement. But coming up, let's get into some of why the offense looks so clunky. Let's get into some of, you know, what we saw on the offensive side of this game and uh Let's face it, Fred Van Vliet was not good in this game, and he owned up to it immediately after the game. I think that's one thing that this team uh, has shown a lot of is accountability so far this season for for both good and bad performances. Also got to talk about Jabari and his bounce-back game and so much more. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. PrizePix is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and then you watch the winnings roll in. PrizePix is so simple to play. You just make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. It's that 
easy. They have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. It's what makes PrizePix the number one DFS sports app on the market. PrizePix even offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, where PrizePix discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. You've got to check it out. If you've been trying to figure out a way to get into DFS, go check out PrizePix. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedInNBA and use code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepix.com slash LockedInNBA or code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix is daily fantasy sports made easy. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, we talk about some of the kind of clunky offense of this team. And going into this uh, season, you know, on our season preview show, we talked about the fact that we thought this Rockets team had maybe what it took to be a top 10 defense uh, and probably a bottom 10 offense. And so far, that kind of matches the eye test because offensively, there has been some serious question marks about this team, some clunkiness on that end. We've had some good moments and then we've had some not so hot moments. And in this game specifically, uh, Fred Van Vliet was the guy of the Rocket starters who really kind of struggled offensively in this one. Just eight points on two of 13 shooting was two of seven from the floor. Only two trips to the free throw line. He did have four assists, no turnovers, but a relatively quiet kind of just frankly a bad game from Fred Van Vliet. And when I asked him about his offensive production post game, he said as much. I know you just touched on the offense there momentarily, but how did you just feel about your overall production offensively and kind of the looks that you were getting? Oh, shit. Shit. So... Uh, was bad, and um, you know you give the other team credit or championship contending team. They play good defense, um, but you know you got to be able to adjust. You got to have counters. Um, they obviously were pressing up on me, sending me to the rim. I didn't didn't adjust, didn't shoot the floater like I should have, um, and didn't get to the line. So uh, you know you find yourself searching there a little bit. Um, definitely they were they were flying at me on the three, and um, just wasn't good enough offensively for me tonight. Okay, so some pretty a pretty candid reply from Fred. Uh, and honestly, I do think that is one overarching takeaway, Madison, from this team, just really quickly before we get into the specifics of the offensive issues, is this team is, you know, one. what was the one thing that we begged for, pleaded for, for these past, you know, couple years throughout the Steven Silas era was a level of accountability. It felt like nobody ever cared. It felt like bad games would happen and it didn't bother anybody. It's, you know, the coach would laugh them off. Players didn't, didn't care at all. And now we're actually seeing a level of accountability, right? Jabari was distraught after his bad game against the Spurs. And then he had a, what I think was a pretty solid bounce back game here against the Warriors, uh, you know, making his impact felt in a variety of ways in this game. We'll talk about him a little bit later on. Uh, and then Fred Van Vliet owning up to the fact that he was likely the the piece, the variable that held this Rockets team back offensively in this game, uh, identifying exactly what he didn't do, how he didn't adjust, how he kind of fell into the trap of what the Warriors wanted for him, right? They were forcing him off the three-point line. They were forcing him into those drives, funneling him all the way to the rim. And that's not Fred's strength, right? You don't want your six-foot, maybe six-foot point guard going into the teeth of NBA defense and being forced to try and get up these ridiculous shots in and around the rim. You want him to be able to stop and pop for a mid-range or get to that floater game like he mentioned. And he just didn't do that in this game, unfortunately. So at least he's able to say, hey, I was bad. And he immediately identified what he should have done. And I think that real-time understanding of, you know, what needs to be changed, what needs to be fixed moving forward is a, a new element for this team that I think is going to kind of 
find itself amongst all the young guys and kind of that level of accountability is really important, right? That's what that's what leadership looks like. Yeah, no, um, definitely. I mean, I, it was great to hear Fred talk about that, about that accountability, as well as Jabari Smith talk about it last game, right? That that accountability matters, and that's how you improve. You have to first accept or uh, acknowledge, excuse me, what exactly is going wrong. And, and let's just be frank, yeah, they were funneling Fred to the rim, and Fred should not have been taking all those shots at the rim over the outstretched arms of the Warriors bigs because he's just not very good at that's not his game. Um, but more importantly, I also thought he was – he was lacking in the initiation of the offense uh, this uh, this game as well, especially in the first half. I think that was probably one of the biggest problems the Rockets had, especially when he played with that bench unit that uh, featured uh, Jeff Green um, and I believe Jay Sean Tate as the forwards. Um, I thought Gary Payton the third uh, gave him a lot of trouble. Um, of you know, he's an excellent, excellent defensive guard, and I thought he gave him a lot of trouble in the first half, and he disrupted the rhythm of the uh, Rockets' offense that's already been struggling. And when you don't have the screening of Alper and Shingun out there, um, to kind of free Fred up to really get the the uh to get good mid range looks or initiate the offense and and find those pocket passes, then you fall into some of the the scrum that we've seen uh in this Rockets uh offense that didn't have a, a really good rhythm because we should have really won those bench minutes and we did not in the uh first half because of that. We, we, we saw a bit of a weird substitution pattern with the, the two early fouls on Fred. So we went with you know Ime goes to uh, a man subbing in for Fred instead early in that first quarter. He also pulled Alper and Shingun earlier than usual because he wanted to bring Alpi back uh, with the second unit uh, kind of into the first quarter and then and then have him out there with the second unit. And specifically post-game, Ime mentioned, you know, when I asked him why he did that, um, was because he wanted to get Alpi some minutes out there where he wasn't out there with Steph Curry specifically. So kind of a, 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 an adjustment by Ime to limit the amount of time that, that Alpi was going to spend on the floor with Steph, which, hey, look at that. A way that you can limit your big man from getting cooked by one of the greatest shooters of all time on the basketball floor without just putting him in drop coverage all game. Uh, what a novel concept. But, I, you know, I do think that when you look at the offense for this team, it, it, they're, they're still searching, right? They're trying to figure out what their identity is going to be. And I do think that that's probably going to be the case for for the foreseeable future because Emay's talked about this kind of equal opportunity you know, dynamic offensively, which means everybody gets a chance to eat. And because of that, I don't think we're ever going to see, at least for, for the foreseeable future, I don't think we're going to see a clearly defined kind of alpha or even a clearly defined hierarchy within this offensive team, which has its pros and it also has its drawbacks. It has its cons, right? We don't really know, like, can Jalen Green be that number one guy for the team? Uh, he kind of felt like maybe the number one tonight-ish, like he had he had 20 shot attempts, he led the team in field goal attempts, he had 21 points, 8 of 20 shooting, only 1 of 5 from beyond the three-point line. I, I'm still not loving the process for Jalen Green at, at, so far at this point. How do you feel about where Jalen's at right now, Madison? Yeah, so I think Jalen is, I'll say this, I mean, he's gotten, each performance has gotten better. I think that's the most positive thing I can say about Jalen's process right now. I think there's still a lot of room 
for him to grow, um, especially if this, if he's going to be the star of this Rockets team. Uh, we need Jalen to step up in ways that he hasn't quite stepped up yet uh, down the stretch of games, but he is trying and he is uh, finding his way in a new offense, and that is going to be tough for him. He's also trying to not step on toes, and to me, it kind of feels like we've kind of moved back into this stage where are you the number one option closer of this team or are you just a supporting cast member? And he's kind of in this limbo zone uh, where no one really knows. It's kind of it's up for grabs who the closer of this team will be. And nobody's quite gotten up and grabbed. The, the well, I, I, th- I think I think LP kind of got up and grabbed last game. I think game. LP just, was trying. I think LP was trying in the Spurs game. Yeah, right. I think he was trying in the Spurs game. And what that really taught me about how I think MA's philosophy is: uh, we're gonna go, we're gonna repeat what works. And so it looked like that will it was what was working in that game. And so that's what they went back. But LP didn't get those same looks this game, right? And so it, it, it went back to the guards uh, screening and rolling. It looked like uh off ball actions um which Jalen I thought made some good decisions made some some great decisions but sometimes when you have when you have a closer you just need a guy who is going to go out there know how to get to his spot and get a bucket when this team needs it and uh unfortunately unfortunately Jalen is still struggling to finish it at the rim through contract contact his jump shot seems to not be all the way there yet um it's that at at least early returns i I don't see the improvement in the jump shot quite yet and um he is still forcing it at some times and not taking what the defense gives him he's still forcing it at, at uh going to the rim and when the refs are not giving you calls then you put your team in bad situations where there's turnovers, where there's, uh, you know, bad shots at the rim. And sometimes it might just be easier for you to get to your step back mid-range shot or or floater uh, in between game, in between game, because that's a, a, a shot that you can get to at any moment. And when the team needs a bucket, that is what the Kevin Durant's, the 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 um Devin Booker's the guard the scoring guards of that archetype that is what they're doing because you don't leave you don't leave the game up to the refs um in those situations that's just you mano mano you work on that mid-range jump shot is something you go to it works you know you can get your team a bucket when they need it and I'd like to see Jalen within the flow of the offense and that's hard begin to uh to for enforce his wheel onto the games in the same way that Steph Curry did. Coming up, we got to get to our Locked on Rockets player of the game from this one, as well as Jabari Smith Jr. with a much better performance in this one than his last game against the San Antonio Spurs, as well as some final thoughts from this one, uh, best sequence of the game, and maybe a bit of a hot take that I got cooked up ready for this final segment. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And all you have to do is wager 
five bucks. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options. In fact, right now, we can take a look at the outright Super Bowl 58 betting favorites. The Philadelphia Eagles plus 500 to win it all. Kansas City Chiefs, Taylor Swift's team, also plus 500. Got the 49ers right behind them at plus 600, and rounding out the top five, you have the Miami Dolphins at plus 950, and the Dallas Cowboys at plus 1,000. So for those odds and so many more opportunities, spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more to choose from, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Madison, we wound up pushing this back all the way to segment three, but Locked on Rockets player of the game. And I'm just going to, like, I feel, I don't even think this is a hot take. I think it belongs to Dylan Brooks. Really? Really. Like, Dylan was the primary on Steph, and he did a really phenomenal job on him through three, about as good as you can guard Steph. But not only that, Dylan has actually shown a really great level of, like, unselfish basketball play, high-quality decision-making. You know, look, his stat line, 12 points, 4 of 10. He was 2 of 5 from the from, from three-point land. Got to the free throw line a couple times, sank both of them. He had four rebounds, two assists. But, you know, the counting stats don't immediately jump out at you. But watching him on the floor, I'm just like, this guy is good. Like, he is so good. I'm just, blo- like, I'm oftentimes blown away at watching him make simple decisions. Like, he'll start a drive and kick and it doesn't ever like Dylan's not like a guy with like a crazy bag, right? Like he doesn't, he's not going to break down a defender and do this, that, and the other thing, the hezzy tween combos, whatever. He'll just duck his shoulder and drive strong. And sometimes, and then he'll finish at the rim or he'll get a couple power dribbles and then kick it out for the next guy and, you know, get a hockey assist, creating a three pointer that way. Just, I thought the process was really good from Dylan. I think he's been sneakily, you know, one of the Rockets' best players so far through the better part yeah. of this early, you know, three games, um, as, as he should be. He's one of the veterans on the squad. You brought him in to be a consistent impact player. And I, I look elsewhere in this game, and, you know, you can make the argument that maybe you give it to, to Alper and Shingun because he's been such a focal point for this team, especially offensively, especially for a team that doesn't really have an identity yet offensively. You can make the argument for Jabari Smith Jr. because he bounced back from his Spurs game. But I really do think I want to hand it to Dylan Brooks. But I'll, I'll, I think Dylan Brooks is a great choice. Okay. I would say let's give an honorable mention to Jay Sean Tate. Okay. Yeah, I Wait, just, do, I, do I just, we want to do we want to do co locked on Rockets player? We can do that. No, let's get let's give it to Brooks because Brooks okay. was clearly a, a, a more stable figure throughout the game. Okay, but Jay, I just I do want to say though, Jay Sean Tate in a critical moment in that game provided the Rockets a boost that they had not got not gotten yet, and it it actually propelled us into taking the lead, and it it, it did some. It did some very good things that the Rockets needed. It gave them some life and momentum that they needed. But o- overall, I don't think he was the player of the game. I, I do think Dylan Brooks had a much better. We'll, better we'll, get, we'll give Jay Sean Tate player of the quarter for, for that. Yeah, third player quarter, of the quarter, right, right. No, like, no, you're absolutely right. And th- this is, I want this game to be kind of a reminder for the Jay Sean Tate deniers, I guess, the guys who are ready to just ship him off to Siberia or wherever, China, you know, the Guangdong tire, Tigers, because. <laughs> That's the type of play that can win you some basketball games, right? The the scrappy right. hustle plays, the momentum shifting plays, the aggressiveness, all of that that he brought in that surge in the third quarter to get the team not only back into the game, but then take the lead for a little while was a direct result of his play. And Ime made sure to credit him post game, And then even post game, Dylan, 
you know, was asked about what he saw from Jayshon. He's like, I'm, we're, we're basically the same player. And they kind of are, right? They provide a lot of the same things. Dylan's just a better shooter than Jayshon. He's a little right, bit bigger. Right. Um, it can hand, but, but, you know, they provide a lot of the same skill set at the end of the day. And Tate was, he was really great in his limited minutes in this game, 22 minutes off the bench. He had six points. Uh, eight boards, uh, one assist, two steals, two blocks. And that one assist was a sweet dime, man. The the little lob to Amin Thompson who cut backdoor baseline and, you know, they connected on that alley-oop lob. Uh, there were a couple lob attempts this game. Uh, that one was the, clearly the one that worked the best. Then you had one where Jalen Green got practically clotheslined by Draymond Green on another backdoor cut trying to get a lob. Uh, and he got up and he shook it off. And it's just like, come on, man. Like, this is how, how often are we going to keep letting this man get away with this? Um, and then early in the game, Fred attempted a lob to Jalen. He sent that thing to Jupiter. Like, I don't like Jalen. Jalen's got rockets on his shorts. He can jump out of the gym. There is not a chance in hell he was getting that. You would need some, like, go-go gadget arms to have gotten up to a, to, to catch that lob. I don't know what Fred was thinking on that one. No, that was uh, – that was that the one that Fred threw was kind of wild. But I love the look. I love the look, and I love that the uh, the Rockets are moving without the ball. I think I think that is another a really good thing about what I've seen with this this offense. There is a lot of off ball movement, I, and I'll say about Jalen. Jalen's gotten more layups, all easy layups than I've ever seen him get. Uh, really, really, that's what's help, holding his shot percentage up. Um, but yeah, so but I I agree. Uh, Jay Sean Tate, he deserve all he deserves all his flowers for for today in a game that I felt like it was so neck and neck for a lot for large portions of this game. You were often looking for who would break free and who would break ahead, and a lot of those times that was the Warriors, and that's how they were getting those ten point leads. But when we took the lead, Jay Sean Tate was the catalyst of those break aheads with, with his defensive play and his energy. So I just, we just got to you know, praise him on that one. Now for, for Jabari Smith jr. Here, you know, we, we know that he was the, the P, the guy that kind of held the team back in that Spurs game. He owned up to it. He understood, you know, what his role was in that loss, the missed free throws, the missed three comes back. I thought in this game and he came out with an edge with, uh, kind of an urgency to his play from the from the jump. I mean, he was aggressive. He, he finished the game with 14 points on 6 of 12 shooting. He was 2 of 6 from downtown. Had 8 rebounds. A couple of them were on the offensive glass. 5 assists for Jabari and then 2 steals. Um, and, and, you know, the counting stats look really good. I, I liked a lot of you know, his decision-making offensively. But what really stood out was some of the little things that he was doing. He, now, he, he still had moments. There were a couple moments where, you know, he got, he got caught ball-watching on a drive in transition where Wiggins caught the ball on the wing and he wasn't already down in his defensive stance and Wiggins just blew right by him for an, for an easy layup at the rim. And Jabari caught the ball after the make. And, like, and I think it, I think it was an and one, actually, for Wiggins. Um, and Jabari caught the ball after the foul, the make, and, like, slammed it on the ground. Like, you could tell he was pissed at himself because he knew that he had messed up another assignment in that moment. Um, but, like, there were moments, like, there was a moment where Saric tried to post him up and use his weight against him. And Jabari actually, like, bodied up on him and, like, didn't didn't get abused down low, which is, like, it seems like such a low bar to set. But unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at with Jabari, where it's like you got to see him start to do some of those little things to make sure that his, you know, the, the attention to detail, the small things to build up his overall game to just get to a point where he's not hurting the team. 
And in fact, I thought he was a he was a pretty large positive in this game. You look at his actual production, he was a plus 12 for this team. Uh the highest the 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 leader a leader in plus minus for this team. Jabari Smith Jr. a plus 12 uh for the Houston Rockets. I thought his impact was great in this one, honestly. Oh, it really was great. And I think this is one of the things that the young Rockets are learning now, now that they are actually playing in competitive games. Like, honestly, not you came back when you was down 20 when guys were lackadaisical about knowing they can turn it on whenever. Know what it actually means to play 48 minutes of uh, intense uh, competitive basketball. And, And what they're learning is, is toughness is a big part of it. And if they're going to win these games, they're going to have to, they're going to have to bulk up. They're going to have to put up. And that mentality of toughness is, I think, something the young Rockets are really getting baptized in the water in right now. I could say that the same for Jalen, Alperin, and as well as Jabari. And I think a lot of why these why the Rockets are being better is not because they're just they're shooting better from the field. It's because they are becoming a tougher team and they're learning what it takes to actually win in this league. And I think that is what Jabari displayed today. And that's why he had a much, much better game. Yeah, and, and hopefully it's something that he can he can harness and look to build upon because it's 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 like a mentality shift for him where when he is the aggressor, you see it. You're like, oh, this is a very different Jabari. Like he's aggressive, he's hunting his shot, he's looking for ways to impact the game on the glass or making the right read or just even simple like powerful you know one two dribble drives and then kick it to the next guy. Those little things where he's not passive or shying away or ball watching when the when the shot goes up for a rebound like he was actually you know actively seeking out bodies early in this game he was boxing out Draymond Green he had a steal early on Draymond and then he had an offensive rebound over like over the outstretched arms of Draymond Green I know Jabari is almost seven feet tall and Draymond's six five but Draymond has that insane seven foot what two wingspan or whatever he's got and Jabari ripped the rebound away from Draymond early. And that's why I was like, that's when my eyes kind of lit up. And I was like, oh, this is the type of game Jabari's about to have. Um, now, I will say that, you know, the shooting, it's going to come over time. Hopefully he hit his very first three, which means which means then he was one of five the rest of the way. Um, so that's something that still has to improve a little bit. But overall, I liked his shot selection in this game. I liked the process for Jabari. And it did kind of feel like he was a very important piece of what the Rockets were able to achieve in this one uh I will say I want to give a quick shout out to Uncle Jeff Madison and I actually want to revoke the Uncle Jeff nickname because of the one play where also I got it wrong earlier he didn't shut down Steph Curry he actually shut down Chris Paul on that one play where Chris Paul drove it in and he like he stopped CP3 and he was like the the wily vet where like he didn't bite on the CP3 pump fake and CP had to pass the ball back out so it was CP it was old man versus old man but he had that play where he dove out of bounds. He stopped. I want to, who was it? it was Steph on a drive? He, he dove out of bounds, caught the ball, hung in midair, and launched it the other way, igniting the break for Jalen to go the other side and get yeah. the bucket. That play, I mean, my jaw practically dropped watching Jeff make that move. So I want to give him some flowers because overall, I, I do think his impact in this game uh, can't be understated as well in a game where you were heavily predicated on switching defense, trying to cut down on all the uh, the motion offense of the Golden State Warriors. Jeff played a big role. He had six points uh, on just two of seven shooting. Not great offensive production, but he had a few rebounds, had a couple assists, had a block. And overall, I thought he did a good job just kind of helping anchor that Rockets defense uh, at that four slash five spot for the minutes that he was in the game. 
Yeah, no, I, I we definitely got to give a, a good shout out to Jeff. And just for consistent play, you know what you're going to get from Jeff. He's consistent. He's out there. He's a threat. And he's going to be a he's going to be a presence on the defensive end. And he's going to be a presence on the boards. Um, and I'd like to also give one more honorable mention. One guy we have to we have to talk about because he struggled, but he had a I thought had a really good game today. Amon Thompson. I thought Amon played really well, especially in that first quarter when um, Fred had to go out a bit earlier um i thought almond came in and gave her seven points in that first quarter he was uh active he was unafraid he took uh his pull-up jump shots he had a three and a pull-up jump shot uh mid-range um that was honestly they looked really good and so it's good to see our young rookie uh becoming more comfortable because we're going to need him. He is, he is our backup point guard and I can't wait till he starts. He gets comfortable enough to start initiating offense again. When he, there was one where he like got, I forget if he got the rebound or just got like a quick outlet from somebody, but he had the ball right around like the, the Rockets free throw line, like off a, off a miss from the Warriors. And he just took off. And, and Madison, when I tell you this man is a blur, like in transition, when he decides to turn the jets on, like he sliced through so many other guys in transition to get to the other side of the floor. Um, it was, it, it, the athleticism is peak. It's, it's kind of crazy. And you've got to, at some point you got to witness it in person. If you're in Houston, please go to a game. If you're in another city, when the Rockets come to your town, you got to be able to witness it in person to really get an appreciation for how fast and how quick some of these guys are when they're actually on the floor. And a is, is one of those special guys for sure. My, my potentially scorching hot take here, Madison, which is not necessarily scorching hot because at this point, half of Rockets Twitter wants this to be an outcome. Um, but if Rockets Twitter got their way, then like Cam Whitmore would probably be a starter by now. But Reggie Bullock, man, like I don't know what he's bringing to this team. He's not hitting shots. Defensively, he's getting cooked. Uh, it has not been good for Reggie. And I know he's a veteran. I know he's probably got the trust of Ime because he's a veteran. That whole thing. Um, I don't know how much, how many more games you give Reggie with like zero to negative production value before you seek other minutes. Um, but like he only got six minutes in this one. I, I don't want to say he like, maybe it's not fair to say he hurts the Rockets in his minutes, but he also, he's very, he's very limited offensively. He can't put the ball on the floor and drive. He's basically a catch and shoot threat or he's like a, you know, come off a DHO and fire a threes. He's very Garrison Matthews esque offensively. He's supposedly a better defender, but I saw plenty of moments where he got cooked on the defensive end as well. At this point, Give Cam Whitworth those minutes. Like, just give, if you're going to give him six or seven minutes, fine. Give Cam those minutes. Cam has shown that he's not been a slouch defensively. He's got the physicality on the defensive end. And he's actually more capable offensively than just being a three-point threat, which this is kind of what that second unit is sorely missing, right? They're sorely missing another scoring threat, another dynamic scoring option, which Kevin Porter was supposed to be for this team. And they don't have that guy out there. So there's times where the second unit just looks so stagnant where nothing is happening. And at least with Cam, you can give him the ball and say, try and go make something happen. And he might be able to. So I don't know how many more games I'm going to be before I'm completely out on Reggie Bullock, but he's got to turn it around real quick. He's a veteran. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt or like a grace period like the rookies do. He needs to be producing soon before he finds himself out of the rotation. Yeah, the, the only thing I say to that is I think the the Rockets' biggest problem offensively right now is turnovers. And I would be weary of putting another young Rocket in the lineup mm. that 
to make mistakes, you know, and 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 uh, get teams out because I think the mistakes are what's hurting the rocket this Rockets team the most. And at least with Reggie Bullock, you know, you're not going to get any uh, major mistakes or live ball mistakes. Um, and Reggie Bullock, he, I think, yes, if he loses his minutes, he should just lose the his minutes, and they should increase for everybody else. But until um, Jalen Amon. Um and and other Rockets players, Rockets initiators, clean up the turnovers, at, uh, which would allow Cam to get the bandwidth to play on the team. But we could, but we can't have too many young players with making mistakes, right? And so I think until the other guys get comfortable in this offense, I think Cam may have to wait his turn a little bit more. And that's 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 what I'd say to that. Now, I'm, I'm fine with reducing Reggie's minutes, but Reggie Bullock is notoriously a terrible shooter in the beginnings of the seasons. He, he he heats up towards the middle to end. This is like a notorious thing for Reggie Bullock. And when he heats up and when he's when he's on, he's a dead eye. So just maybe we give him some time and we might we're kind of circle back around. Or, when or maybe in- you just ice him till you get to the midseason part where right. like, <laughs> we're, we're gonna throw you in the microwave and cool you, you know, heat you back up, but 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 we'll put you on ice until then. All right, Madison, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at. All right, come contact me or hit me up on at MadmanLeaks on X or Twitter. Let her come talk Rockets. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. Quick shout out here at the end of the show to my guy Jake uh, from Papado, not Jake from State Farm for chatting it up with me uh, Sunday afternoon as I was headed to Toyota Center for the home opener of the season. Appreciate that conversation. I love it when you guys find me out and about in public and you're just like, Hey, you're Jackson Gatlin, right? It's always a very cool experience. So shout out to my guy, Jake, but as always, thank you so much for watching the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast or on YouTube. Just search locked on rockets, like comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Give me your thoughts. Is this Rockets team progressing through three games? Are they heading in the right direction? Let us know in the YouTube comments, but as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at locked on rockets, your daily podcast home for everything. Houston Rockets basketball.